gather for worship. We ask for God's help to leave distractions that hold us hostage. We gather to hear again the call of God to be healers in the world. With joyful songs and open hearts, we will be present to God and to one another. Sisters and brothers, let us live out our calling as a faithful community. We confess our misplaced loyalties and ambitions. We ask God to forgive us. We pause for a moment of silent confession. When we repent, we find God abundant in forgiveness and full of grace. Let us live by the faith that makes us whole. We are forgiven. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. It's good to be here together. It's good to be with guests as well as friends that we've known for years. And especially, it's good to be here with God. Welcome especially if you are a guest visiting visiting today. There is on the edge of your order of service a welcome card. You can put your name there. It'll help me connect name and face with you. And you can drop that in the offering plate when it's passed. Also, if there's any requests that you would like to place on that card, it's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and by need every week. So you can place that on the card and drop it in the plate. Well, it's been a full week, has it not? It's been a full week. And uh, as I look and see Mary Dean and her family here, I know that you know what a week it has been because on Friday we had the Celebration of Life service uh, after Kenneth Dean's death. So Mary and family, that's, I see uh, Caroline, uh, Catherine, Catherine and and Margaret uh, with you. So glad you are able to be here. We love you. And in the gospel lesson, Jesus talks about widows. And that is so hard a word uh, to say, as several of you well know. And so, we've been praying for you. We pray for open ears and open hearts as we hear the texts read today, and I'll be preaching on the gospel lesson, so pay particular attention to that. Welcome to the worship of God. A Hebrew poet sings of the grandeur of God's creation. A reading from Psalm. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, 
their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy. And like a strong man runs its course with joy, its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Here ends the first lesson. And now let us pray. Lord, we gather here today on this third Sunday of Epiphany to worship you and to be still in your presence. Though we worship you with gladness, today in particular our hearts are heavy with the passing of some of our Christian brothers, Kenneth Dean and Jack Harwell. But we delight in the fact that we now know that they, as others before them and others after them, have now greeted you as good and faithful servants. We look to you for peace and understanding in times of confusion and grief, but we trust in the strength of your grace and your love to bring new days of light and simple joys. Our faith in your presence and the power of your love is made true because of the example that you set for us through your Son, Jesus, who has taught us to pray, saying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The Church is the body of Christ with its diversity and unity, a reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. For just as a body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For, on one, for in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But, but as it is, God arranged members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less of less honorable we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. 
whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church of first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? but strive for the greater gifts. Here ends the second lesson. I invite all the children to come forward at this time for our lesson. Good morning. Did you smell that soup downstairs in the fellowship hall? It smells good, doesn't it? Did you see the dessert table? <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff on it. Well, this morning, I wanted to take a minute to talk to you about our gospel, uh, our scripture lesson that Mr. Molina just read to us. He read to us a reading from one of Jesus' disciples to a church in Corinth, and he talked to them about, not Mr. Potato Head, but he talked to them about the body of Christ, and I brought Mr. Potato Head because I thought he could help us learn a little bit about that. So, I'm going to see if Pastor James will take a hand, and I'm going to give an eye to Aaron, and I want to see if Pastor Daniel will hold these feet for me. And I want to see if Van will hold this nose, and Sebastian an ear, and how about a mouth and some ears. Now, all of these pieces, when they're apart from Mr. Potato Head, it's just an ear, it's just a hand, and it's just a foot, and it's just an eye. And they can all do their thing. What can those feet do, Pastor Daniel? They walk along. What can those hands do, Pastor James? Yeah, they can. And, and what can the eyes do, Aaron? They can look. They can see. What do the ears do? They hear. What does the mouth do? Talk and say things. But, you know... They can all do those one things. Aaron, can the eyes smell? No. Can the ears talk? No. Can the feet shake hands with someone? No. But what if, what if we take the pieces and we put them back on Mr. Potato Head? Well, now... His body can do some things with his hands, right? 
He could give some hugs. He could wave at people. And if we put his mouth, there's a bunch of There we go on. And his ear and his nose and his eyes. Well, now all those things that just these one pieces could do, now we put him back together. And he, oh, wait, he's missing an ear. Where'd that one go? He's, well, he's down one. He can hear some things. How about that? (laughs) He can hear some things. But you know what? This is important because if all of us were only a hand, we could only do one thing. We couldn't be feet. We couldn't be all be ears and do what eyes do. And it's not that any one piece of Mr. Potato Head is more important than the other. They all have to come together to make him one person. And that's like us. Each one of us, we come together and everybody out here, we all come together to be the body of Christ here on earth. That's what Paul, his disciple, who was also part of the body of Christ on earth, was talking about. So we all come together and together with all of our gifts to do our certain things, like the hands do this, and the feet do this, and the nose does this. But all together, we can do special things with all, each one of our gifts, okay? So this is a silly kind of a thing, right? But it's important to remember that we are the body of Christ, and together we can do special things in the name of Jesus Christ, okay? Each one of us with our gifts. Huh? I know. I don't know why one's curved and one's straight. So they can do special things, I guess. Let's all have a prayer. Dear God, thank you for each one of us here today in the pews and up here on the steps. Thank you for all of the gifts that you have given each one of us. Help us to use them for your service and in your name to love others and to love this world and to love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go have some music with Miss Mary Boo. As the children move on, that's pretty good, isn't it? Everybody got that sermon? Have you heard sermon enough? I mean, we don't, do we need another sermon? That's not a vote. We're not voting on this. Voting later. The hymn that we're going to sing is number 39. Take a look at it in your hymnal. It's one of the values of our worship and music committee and music ministry to keep learning new hymns. I remember when I was a child, our music minister used to say there will be no Baptists in heaven because in the book of Revelation it says in heaven, and they sang a new song. (laughs) And he said, Baptists never sing new songs. We're going to sing the song that's a little bit new to you. We've sung it before, but it it will feel new. It's number 39. It is from uh, the 5th century. The lyrics are... And it's been re-outfitted for uh, us and for our ears. Um, I, I, we're, we're going to hear it uh, by the choir because in this guidebook that our planning staff gets, it says the tune was written by a leading music scholar and composer. It is exciting, but somewhat difficult to master. That's right. The choir is going to sing stanzas one and two, and then we will stand and sing stanzas three and four. Let's hear the choir right now.
Jesus reads aloud from Isaiah the prophet and proclaims the good news. At first, the people accept him warmly, but then they are enraged and try to kill him. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you do, you did at Cap- Capernaum. And he said, Truly, I tell you, No prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. On the way to the holidays a few months ago, several of you were telling me, I think it's going to be tough going home for the holidays this year. And I'd go, well, why? And you would go, well, because, you know, Uncle Bob always brings up politics. And what comes out of his mouth, I just can't believe or abide. I hear that. Then you'd say, well, you know, Sally, Sally brings up religion, whatever her latest religious fad is. She talks about that, uses that card, and that just rubs me the wrong way. Those kind of things. Well, being, being the helpful pastor that I am, I wanted to look for articles that I might could give to you to help you as you go through times of uh, contentious conversation. I found one in the AJC about a little over two years ago. One exactly on, on target with politics and religion. It was written by Becky Crystal, who's the food editor for the Washington Post. And it was used in the AJC. 
in trying to get people ready for the holidays, she wanted to warn that, you know, there could be uh, dressing recipe wars. Do you use oysters? Do you use sausage? What about vegans? Could they eat? Could they eat the dressing? Uh, she said, don't get people started about pound cake either, which grandmother makes the best, or fruit cake, just don't go there, she said. But in case it breaks out that cornbread is a divisive topic, here is the way to solve it, she said. Usually it's not about skillet or baking pan. Usually, she said, it's about sugar, how much to use. You think that's right? Maybe the cornmeal or not or whatever. Anyway, if, if you need any help with that, that is, this is available. I want to be a good pastor. It's available to you. How do we take calm stands during contentious times, whether it's the holiday table or whether it's when we're talking politics or religion? In this story, Jesus walks into the middle of this, and frankly, you and I work in it every day. How do you take a calm stand during contentious times? Now, one option is to not take a stand at all. That's always easy, and you can be calm, generally, by doing that. You might lose your soul. That could be a price to pay. But how do you take a stand, though doing so calmly during contentious times? Well, Jesus walks into his hometown synagogue. This is Nazareth, where he grew up. There are only like 200 people in all of Nazareth, maybe 300. But it's, a small, it's, it's smaller than Mayberry, you know. So Jesus walks in his hometown synagogue. He knows them all. And they know him. I was imagining if I were Garrett Ray and drawing the caricatures of this, what would it look like? I think it would look like Jesus walking in the synagogue and we're going, no, Jesus, didn't you read Look Homeward Angel? Don't you know you can't go home again? And he keeps on walking. He walks by some women sitting over to the side. And one of them said, oh, I know his mother. She was sick last year. I made my chicken soup and gave it to her, fixed her right up. Somebody on the other side of the aisle said, my family's been sick a week and she hadn't brought her chicken soup over to us. Walks a little further. Man says, oh, I recognize him. He's a carpenter. Made a table for me. Man, that thing would hold the rock of Gibraltar. Walks on a little far further. There's the editor of the Nazareth newspaper. He says, I can see the headline now, hometown boy makes good, but will he change water to wine like he did at Cana? Last week when Andrea did the children's sermon and she poured the water into the wine glass and it just became wine. You see that? Lanny Peters, my friend, the former pastor at Oakhurst, sitting right there, he led in the Flannery O'Connor study. And he said, you know, when Andrea turned the water to wine, the rest of the service for me was anticlimactic. <laughs> is that what Jesus is going to do? Well, he's the lay reader of the day, kind of like Fabio did. He's the lay reader, and it was their tradition, after you just read the text you're handed, that you offer commentary on it. And he did. The lectionary text was Isaiah, but all... Nobody sings like Isaiah. 
There's a music in his poetry. His lyrics evoke song. And it was their story. They had heard it a thousand times. And he reads their story. The story is that those who are blind will come to see. I can imagine a blind man standing saying, he's reading about me. That's going to happen to me. Another one said, the good news will come to the poor. And three of them standing up said, well, that's, that's, we're, we're the poor. We've been furloughed. Uh, and, and we need something. We need to know that we will no longer be poor. And he read the day of the Jubilee has come. Oh, it was exciting. And then he says, today, this will be fulfilled in your hearing. That's when they really got excited. Because money comes to the poor, sight comes to the blind, food comes to the hungry. And their man gets elected in office. I imagine somebody pulls out some bunting. Guy with a slide trombone begins to play, happy days are here again, and off they go. Oh, it's a wonderful time. They say, isn't this well? These are gracious words. Isn't this Joseph's son? One might even elbow the guy next to him and said, I taught him in training union. I taught him his first part on program." Things were going well until he said the today word and gave them the meaning of today. Remember Fred Craddock who would talk about this text and he would go, Today? Don't don't make it today. I mean, can't we just have our hopes in general? Don't, Don't say today. We don't have to decide today. Can't we put it off a little longer? Because what he told them was was two Bible stories. That was their stories. But it was about these widows who were not getting enough food in Israel. And yet, God led Elijah to cross the boundary, to go across state lines, to feed a widow in Zarephath near Sidon, one who was not an Israelite. And then he tells them another story they know. Elijah's successor, a guy named Elisha, healed Naaman, uh, a person with leprosy, who was a Syrian. Oh, no. And that's all he said. And he sat down. He really didn't preach it. He just read the text and sat down. And the people said, we're going to kill him. They ran him out of town and ran him to a ledge. But then he just walked away. Now, I spent a lot of time reading the Bible And when I read this, I go, I I just don't get it. I mean, all he did was tell them two Bible stories that are in their Bible. It was in the Torah right there, or in the prophets right there. And somehow in just telling the story, they all get excited. He burnt the cornbread. (laughs) It's not even about the recipe. We got a good recipe here. He... He, he just burnt the cornbread. He put it in, I don't know if it was a cast iron skillet. I don't know if it was a baking pan. He just had it too hot, and he burnt the cornbread. All here on Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to have to have red beans and rice and no cornbread. Of course, the question is, who turned up the burner so high? And it turns out it was overheated to begin with. What was overheated about that world? Well, if you'll read uh, John Dominic Crossan or Marcus Borg or some of those writers, 
you'll hear them tell about the whole Galilean area, especially the Lake of Galilee, Sea of Galilee, was really under the DOD control, the Department of Defense, that everyone was basically a defense contractor. If you were a fisherman, you were helping provide fish to feed the troops that were occupying the land or the slaves who were working on the buildings. And if you were a good Jew, you were violating your morals for money to feed uh, their family. Anybody that takes Counseling 101 knows the question, why now? Maybe you've gone through, you've told me you've gone through this chronically in your family for many, many years, but, but you're seeking help now. What, what has happened now? And sometimes that moment is an insight to the bigger story. Ministers call me, I meet with ministers group, usually all of them younger than I am. And they tell me uh, stories that they struggle with in their churches, like uh, here's a church that's going to split over gay marriage, they said, unlike we did when we passed our non-discrimination policy. Or here is a church, they say, integration and race has divided us. Or they say the pastor talks too much about politics and the heat has gotten turned up. My question is always, that, that's a, those are good symptoms, but what's the real thing you think that's going on? And there's always a backstory of how the heat got that hot to begin with so that when you put the cornbread in, it's going to burn. There's always more to the story. What was more to this story was the people's anger at God for being so inclusive to begin with. That's always around, but it's rather dormant. All he said was God has always been like God is, and here are stories to share. Their basically response is, well, but wait a minute, we have the need to feel special. And the response basically is, yes, you are special to God. You are special to God, as special as everybody else. Oh. We don't want that. You're special to God just like everyone else. You see, that turns comfort food that's ours into fighting words. And they fought with Jesus to throw him off a cliff. The text ends. Well, we've got a Super Bowl party to get to. We've got pumpkin soup to take in. So here's the bottom line for me. What, what interests me about this text is how did Jesus manage to stay calm when he took his stand, a calm stand in an anxious time. How did he do that? Was it Truman who said, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen? Truman say that? Somebody important said that. Well, Jesus stood the heat and stayed in the kitchen. Even when the red flag words came to him of Syrian and outsider. How do we stand when all the small words are so inflammatory. I mean, just what, what happens to you right now when I say the word wall? I mean, isn't, isn't that a benign word? But my goodness. Immigration. Security. President. Justice. You know, justice was the word of the year 
last year per Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. This last week, uh, several of us are in a Baptist-Jewish dialogue. Uh, Don Janney, Ken Brandt, Ruth Kermidgen, Daniel Hedrick, and I. And as our Jewish friends shared, their number one concern was um, the path to citizenship. It's not the same for everybody. The issue is how do we make immigration easier? You heard this statement, quote, shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. 1963, letter from Birmingham jail. The white church is a stakeholder in the privileged culture we live in, and it is invisible because none of us can see it very well. I can't, but I believe it. If you need a little help in getting your bifocals and trifocals adjusted, there's a whole reading list that Ken Dean had about that topic. Ask Mary for it. Some of you are taking stands regarding gun violence and gun safety. Thank God for you. We've learned to not use the word gun control. That's a whole other red flag word. Jesus was able to take a calm stand in a contentious time. And here's why I think he did. He could. Because he knew the bigger story and that he was a part of it. And the same is true for us. He was telling them there's more to the story than us four and no more in this synagogue. But God has even reached across the boundary lines, Zarephath, Sidon, Syria. God reaches and includes all. I know that to begin a sermon speaking about bad or burnt cornbread recipes, that's pretty silly. Wearing a red nose to a funeral... Well, that's another silly thing, right, Margaret? But our calling, our, our calling to take a calm stand during a contentious time, well, we do it because we know the bigger story of God's inclusive love, and we know that we have a part in it. We need help, but we say it at every funeral litany, every celebration of life litany as we profess our faith, and then we get to that last line, God is with us, we are not alone, thanks be to God. Amen. This is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation for dedication is given. 
And during that time, we sing a song that helps focus our lives. Today, we sing a song that comes out of a revival tradition that some of us sang many a time, probably at Sunday night church. It was first uttered by Dwight L. Moody, the evangelist, and then his music director, Ira Sankey, first put the words into lyrics, only trust him, only trust him. And then a man named Stockton put a song to it. That's what we sing. Let's stand together and do so now. You may be seated. 
I think most people here know Donette Lee, right? Donette Lee. And she has been uh, coming to our church since this past summer. And on her first Sunday, she said, no, I'm not going to be joining uh, because too far, because you live in, in East Alabama or somewhere, <laughs> don't you? Uh, Hiram. Hi, you, have to, you have to intend to get here from Hiram, Georgia, and she intends to. And so uh, she comes uh, joining us today as associate member. It's in our polity about you can be a member of two different churches if you are an associate member. At least that's where in our evolution. And uh, she thought you might wonder why she was doing that. You want me to tell that story or you tell it? Okay. She is a member of Northminster Church, Northminster Baptist Church in Jackson, Mississippi, which I am sort of a descendant from, of people that have blessed me. And she wants to stay connected to that church, partially because when it comes uh, time for her uh, burial, that her ashes will be placed in the columbarium there at the church. And so she's going to keep kind of dual membership there, and we might end up changing our polity about that. But for now, it's associate member, and we sure are glad and to have it. it was like a 40-year relationship there, so all right, well, uh, pretty important. All right, well, we don't, we don't want to violate that, but I celebrate how you said that we're important, too. And, and, and so much at home here because... Uh, of those similarities that that are imprinted yeah, with me. Yeah. Well, it, it matters so much to me that you want to join us. And Mary Dean and Kenneth Dean were almost charter members That's there right. in the same church in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, and you came forward on the first stanza of only <laughs> trusting. I thought I, some of these sinners. I've been waiting years for them to come forward. <laughs> We could sing a dozen, a dozen stanzas, and they'd just be, I know, gripping the, the backs of the pew, but you came on forward. If you join me in welcoming, uh, Donette, would you lift a hand? And with that hand comes our love and our joy. We value your story. We glad that, are glad you're a part of our story. You're going to stay for lunch, right? Oh, good. Well, Beth will introduce you as people leave worship, but I'll introduce you to everybody at lunch. Right, Beth? Good. Okay, thank you. You'll have a seat over there. And Daniel, if you would bring us other concerns. Yes. Donna, I'm so glad you've joined us this morning. really touched my heart. This time of the service, we always bring our celebrations, concerns, and announcements, and I want to bring just a few of those to you briefly this morning. Uh, if you don't know, you, you fell asleep during the sermon. You probably That's the only reason you wouldn't know this, that there is a Super Bowl luncheon directly after the service. And please come to that. All that talk of cornbread, James, there better be cornbread down there. I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to be very disappointed. Come down there. The soups are amazing. We'll have desserts. Uh, we'll hopefully have cornbread. But more importantly, we're raising money for, uh, from our various hunger ministry funds. Remember last year, Jeremy Lewis was here, and, and he was ordained in our church, and he runs Urban Recipe. I'll be having lunch with Jeremy uh, this Tuesday, bringing him the good word about what we're up to and learning more about Urban Recipe. So that's what we'll be doing. Please join us. Church and conference will immediately follow that in the fellowship hall. 
And then the uh, Triple E next meeting will be the Tuesday of the week of uh, Valentine's Day. That's always a special time. Get your reservations in for that. You heard some of our prayer concerns uh, already this morning and, and know that uh, Mary and Catherine and Maggie, that, that we, we love you. We're so glad you're here together worshiping this morning as a family. Our prayers will continue to be with you in this season of grief. Prayers, too, with Larry Prince, whom I visited on Thursday and James visited on Friday, uh, who is at St. Joseph's Hospital and uh, has had a very difficult week. Prayers for Larry and for Sandra Prince and for Barney Moore, who was admitted again to the hospital, and Barney and Angie have had a difficult road this week. We would hug them now if they were here. Maybe they can feel it through the Holy Spirit. The offertory hymn you're about to hear by Edward Elgar is weaving together the text that James already preached on, that Luke 4 text that itself is a work of discovery of Isaiah. Hear the words of Isaiah, and may Jesus touch you as we continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings.
All-loving God, we give thanks that you have included us in your story. And we know that the realm of justice and love will not be finished in our lifetime. But yet we've read the last chapter of the book, and we know the story. We're glad to be a part, and we're glad to share these tithes and offerings. May they be used in the gift of love this week. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We pray for one another this week uh, as we name that uh, Ken has died, and we regret that he's not sitting right there. But Donette has joined us, and she will be sitting right there. So we, we celebrate uh, the lives that we have. Also remember that in Fellowship Hall, there are a bunch of worker bees already down there getting ready for us to go have soup and chili and red beans and rice. And there's plenty for all. There, if you didn't bring anything, don't worry about it. Uh, the cornbread, I don't know about. But <laughs> I suspect that Andrea could take stones and turn them into cornbread. And so I'm going to trust that. As you go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.